Good morning, everybody. I want to add my welcome. Thank you for being here today. And uh, we are on week two of two weeks on the Transform Emphasis. When you leave this morning, you will get a big envelope, and inside that envelope is our project update for Transform that looks like this, kind of a four-pager summary with the uh, revised drawings and pictures of our facility expansion and the funding plan, and there's also a commitment card in there that uh, we'd love you to bring and be ready to uh, drop off next weekend, or if you're not going to be here, just to mail back in sometime this coming week. If you picked up a packet, an envelope in that packet last week, we'd love you not to pick one up this week. We printed enough for one per family, but I do want to encourage everyone to take the time and check it out, to read it thoroughly, to ask any questions that you have. We'd love to fill you in on any uh, insights that you'd like. It's also on our website, so if you misplace it or forget to get one on the way out today, you can go to the website, you can two, two or three clicks, and you can be reading it there as well. And as I explained last week, Transform is our initiative to provide larger facilities for this church family. So we're, we're a growing family, and any time a church family gets to a certain size, or any family gets to a certain size, you have to look at larger, a larger home. We're not looking for a new home, we're just expanding our present home. And uh, we need more room for weekend services, but we also need room, more room just about every day of the week. Our children's area is overcrowded six days a week, especially Awana, night, Awana on Wednesday nights and re-engage marriage ministry on Thursday nights uh, are really out of space. So these are great problems to have, obviously, uh, but we need to find solutions if we want to minister to the community around us. So. We're excited about that. Before I start, I want to encourage you now to grab your Bible and join me in Genesis chapter 12. And find your sermon notes as well. If you're using a paper notes, it looks like this. It's inside your bulletin, just a half-page insert. Or the uh, downloadable notes on the church app look like this. And on the screen behind me, this is actually last week's uh, sermon notes, but very easy to use. You can fill in the blanks. You can write notes for yourself. You can even email it to yourself and print it off if you care to do that. So check out the uh, app version as well. Here's where we're going this morning. I want to say a few more things about the Transform Initiative, and then I'm going to be talking with you about leaving a legacy that lasts, how we leave a legacy that lasts. But let's begin with a little bit more about the vision of Transform. Transform ultimately is a conversation about where we're heading as a church family. It's the name that we've given our initiative to elevate our discipleship impact at the same time to expand our facilities so we have more room to do that with more people. And the theme verse of Transform is Romans 12.2, which says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Sometimes we talk about knowing God's will or finding God's will. God's will is that we would be transformed, that we would understand God's will, and that we would live it out. And the Bible tells us that as we allow His Word to change our thinking and to change our hearts, we do understand his will, and we can live it out in obedience, and we become partners with God in transforming and changing this world that he has put us in. It's just the mission that we have that he's given us is to make disciples. And because we've outgrown our facilities, we're out of room to reach more people in this community 
That's why we're preparing to enlarge them. And all of that's explained well in the brochure. I hope that you're reading that. But I want to take a couple of minutes to explain just a little bit further. Here's the upper level floor plan. And uh, we're, we're in this building right now. This is the worship center now, but this is the new worship center. So through that wall and through some new doors, there'll be a 400 seat worship center here with room for about 100 uh, seat overflow for special events into the foyer. But the foyer also has a faith at home center and a future cafe and bathrooms and a welcome center and more. And uh, we're going to show you, some people say, you know, Jim, it's kind of hard to visualize what, what you're talking about. I don't read blueprints very well. So we asked our architect to give us a video, an updated video that shows this uh, more 3D. So we're going to, the video primarily looks at this space and then at this space. So let's roll that video now, please. All right. Doesn't that look cool? Very exciting. So our new facility is going to be a, such a huge asset to reaching this community around us and to making more disciples right here. You can just imagine hundreds of people, adults and children and youth, coming into these new spaces, saying yes to Christ for the first time in our brand new building. You can imagine an inviting front door out on Veterans Drive behind me to, to welcome our neighbors, to invite them to come in and, and hear about Christ's love for them. Imagine this nice, large foyer space that we'll have, uh, that will be uncrowded, that will provide extra seating for uh, special events, uh, a place for future prime timer uh, breakfasts and events, large Bible studies, all those kind of things. And uh, just also imagine expanding our sending base as a church for our missions impact internationally. As we continue to grow, we'll have more capacity to support more missionaries and to adopt more unreached people groups and so on. So that's what this is all about. We've been working hard the last couple of years with our uh, architect and then our uh, contractor to get ready for this point. And with God's help and with your help, we're hoping to break ground in May, which is just about seven months from now. And that's, in a nutshell, the Transform Initiative. So let's uh, change gears now and let's talk about leaving a legacy. Let's talk about some essentials to leaving a legacy that lasts, all right? So we're going to be talking about Abraham this morning because Abraham is given to us as an example of a person who left a great legacy. Got your sermon notes out and ready to go? All right, let's go. I'm going to ask you to fill in something right from the outset on your notes. There's four points, numbered one, two, three, four. Each of them begins with a blank, and that's a spot for your first name. So just go ahead and write all four spaces, your first name, in, in those spots. We'll deal with the other blanks later on, but you can get started with that, okay? Everybody good with that? Now let's turn together and be in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We're in chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I have a question for you. Think about this. What do you want your legacy to be? Or to ask it a little differently, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Some of you are like, oh, I don't even want to think about my funeral. Don't worry, you probably won't be around to hear it. Okay, so. But what is said at your memorial someday is determined by how you live your life today. That's called your legacy. Say legacy with me. Legacy. All right, your legacy. Let's define it. Legacy is something that is handed down from you to others, such as a gift like money or property or a reputation or values or a passion 
for something. That's legacy. It's far more than money and possessions, although it usually includes that. Legacy is more about sharing what you've learned and what you've lived for and the, the difference that you've made in the world. That's your legacy. And the question that I want you to think about with me is what's going to be said at your memorial service on that day? What kind of legacy will people be talking about as they talk about you? Usually people focus on the good memories, right? So sort of a highlight reel of our, our lives. And you can make a decision today about what will be said that day. Don't just stumble upon it. Think about it today. Plan for it. So that when people are handed a mic, you know, sometimes we pass around a mic or we bring a mic to people and let people share memories. What do you want them to say about you? Do you want them to say, oh, they were a nice person or she, was, she loved her family or, or they worked hard or he was a great athlete or they made a lot of money? What do you want them to say about you on that day? Listen, all of those things I just mentioned are fabulous, great things to have said. But what about them saying you were a person of faith? Wouldn't that be great? How about them talking about what God did in your life and through your life? In other words, are you living the kind of life where people will be talking about you? Or are you living the kind of life where people will be talking about God and how great God was and what he did through you on that day? And that's what I want to think about with you this morning, about leaving a legacy that truly lasts. We're going to do that as we look at the life of Abraham, because Abraham was a man with great faith. He left a lasting legacy. And this has everything to do with our Transform initiative, because it's about each of us being transformed by the grace of God and leaving a legacy that will outlive us. Our vision at Lake City is to make disciples, to see people get saved, and to help them be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We're all about that, seeing people saved and go on to maturity. For example, by God's grace, over the last couple of months, as a church, we've had the joy of seeing 29 of our high school and middle school students make decisions for Christ. 29. Amen. That is so exciting. So God is stirring up our students right now. Caleb and Nate and their team are on fire. God's using them to transform lives. Students are sharing their testimonies, and new students are choosing to follow Christ. It's an, a very exciting time. Amen? And transform is about getting all of us involved in sharing our faith. Because every single one of us know people who don't know Christ yet. Every single one of us is being watched by even more people who don't know Jesus yet. And we all need to be involved in getting people saved, and that's part of what Transform is all about. We want to get all of you, all of us, invested in and investing in with our resources the strategy God has given us to make disciples right here and around the world. And that's what the Transform Initiative is. It's taking our impact for Jesus Christ sort of to the next level. Imagine, if you would, all of us locked arms. You know, we could pretty easily build this new facility that's laid out for you in the brochure and in the vision that we're sharing with you. And we could do the remodeling that is needed. We have the capacity to do this as a church family. It's just a, about twice, a little more than twice the project that we did 12 years ago. 
uh, when we did our first construction phase, okay, and we're, we were less than half the size of a church then as we are today. So this is doable with God's help and with all of us having an all-in spirit, everyone doing their part, pulling together, this is very, very doable. All right, let's shift gears to Abraham now. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. When you think of Abraham, you think of a man of faith. He was the father of the Hebrew people. He's listed in Hebrews 11 as one of the heroes of the faith. But many people don't know much about where he grew up. Yeah, we know he was born in Ur of the Chaldees. We've heard that. But we don't really know much about that place. I I looked that up a little bit this week to find out about it. It was one of the most advanced cities in the world in Abram's day. It was built on the Euphrates and Tigris rivers in modern-day southern, southeast Iraq. And it was a very wealthy place in Abram's day. We believe that it was the ancient port city of the Tigris-Euphrates rivers. And so it was one of the trading centers of the entire world. Ships from all over the world came to Ur to buy and sell and trade. They had reading and writing. They they had two-story homes with 20 rooms. This was an advanced civilization. And some people believe that Abraham and his family, in fact, were international traders. We don't know for sure, but we do know that Abraham had a very large family. Genesis 18 tells us that Abraham had 318 soldiers that were born into his household. So that equates to a household of something like a thousand people or so, you know, family, extended family, servants, to have 318 soldiers born into the family. Now, Ur of the Chaldeans was a progressive community, as I said. They had commerce. There were very large factories. Abraham wasn't like one guy with a couple of tents over here living with his family and with a bunch of herds. He was probably part of that very modern community, metropolitan area. His father and his relatives worshipped many gods as well. So they were polytheistic. Many gods, the moon god being the main one in Ur of the Chaldeans. That was Abraham's background. He was wealthy. He was likely an accomplished businessman living in this pagan, progressive city called Ur. But one day, God spoke to him and told him, Abraham, I have even bigger and better plans for you. And God told Abraham that he had a legacy for him that was far greater than he had ever dreamed. More wealth and fields and lands, and that he was, in fact, going to be the start of a brand new people. God said, uh, you're, you're doing great things. I'm imagining God's thinking, you're doing great, some great things here, but I've got even greater things ahead for you. There's a legacy I want you to have, and it's to know me, but also to help other people know me. Think of all the people here in in our church sacrificing for something bigger than themselves, something beyond ourselves. Sacrificing for the Transform Initiative to leave a legacy for others. Think of all the people serving and leading and giving and using their, their time and their talents and their gifts and resources to make an impact for God. And then imagine if all of us locked arms and said, I'm all in. 
Because if you look at our community, we live in a very needy community as well. There's over a thousand people who are homeless in Pierce County right now. And there's an epidemic of substance abuse and human trafficking in our area. Tacoma led the entire state of Washington last year in the number of rapes that were reported, and that's just those who were, that were reported because many aren't. And each of those numbers represents families of people who have been hurt and are looking for hope. And yet God has given us, his church, the hope of the world. We have God's hope. We know the hope of the world. And we're not given that just for us, for our benefit. Like Abraham, we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. And that's what Transform is all about. It's taking the mission of sharing him and making him known to the next level. It's about each one of us making a commitment to share Jesus Christ and to make disciples here and throughout the world. There's no secret that our country is going to pot, right? In fact, in Washington, literally. Okay, so <laughs> saying no to God, violence increasing everywhere. I mean, you kick God out and evil replaces it. And the place that God is going to send his hope is through his people, and it's through his church. So keep that in mind as we look at Abraham's story now. Let's, let's look, zero in on Abraham's story, beginning in Genesis eleven thirty one. 31. Genesis eleven thirty one. It says, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So let's talk about Abraham's legacy and his story and the, the, the pattern of leaving a legacy that lasts. Here's essential number one. Blank was a person who trusted God. That first blank is, should be your name, your first name, because this is what, again, you want people to say at your funeral. Don't you want to be known as someone who trusted God like, like Abraham? I mean, you don't want people showing up at your memorial service on that day and being surprised that, that, that you knew God, right? What? What? That, that dude knew God? You got to be kidding. You don't want that to happen, right? And you know what I want people to be saying about Lake City? I want people to be saying about this church family, that we are a family that trusted God. Not just about ritual or religion or, or same old, same old, but that we lived out our faith in God that we changed our community for God's glory. So how many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you are the kind of person that, that kind of needs the steps mapped out ahead of you before you step out in faith? I, I kind of tend to be that way. That's my personality. I'm not hating on that at all. I'm, in fact, that's, if, that, if you're like that, that's probably part of the personality God gave you. More comfortable when you know each of the steps ahead. However, realize that God doesn't always operate that way. 
In other words, sometimes God asks you to do something for him and he doesn't want you to know all the details ahead of time, just like Abraham here. He says, just trust me on this. Uh, look at what he told Abraham in uh, Genesis 12.1. He said, go from your country and your kindred to the land that I will show you. Doesn't tell him ahead. He says, go and I will show you as you go. I'm sure Abraham was thinking to himself, you know, God, I've got a big family here. I need to make some plans. I need to know how far we're going to be traveling. My wife wants to know when, when and where we're going to settle down, how much stuff to bring with us. The kids want to know what school they're going to be going to, you know, something like that. Okay, to which God says, trust me, I'm going to show you later. I'll give you the details as you go. Follow me by faith. Friend, if you want to be someone who honors God with your life, you will have to live by faith. And it's a conscious decision. Lord, even though I'd really like to know a little bit more of the details, the plans, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to walk by faith. Here's how it's uh, described in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham said, yes, God, I will obey, even though God didn't give him a whole lot of details. And Abraham became an example of a person who trusted God. And his story is included in Hebrews 11 for us to learn from. Because the reality is that all of us have to learn to trust God and to step out in faith at times. We all need to learn to trust God. This time I want to share a, a testimony video with you by uh, Grant and Leslie Feeney and part of their story of uh, growing in God. So uh, let's watch that at this time. I grew up in a Christian family and had a long and happy childhood. Some of my earliest memories are going to Sunday school with my older brother and sister. I was not raised in a Christian home and had a difficult childhood. I remember going to church a few times when I was very young and accepting Jesus as my Savior during a Sunday school class. I met Grant my senior year in high school. We dated for a short time and eloped when he was home on leave from the Army. Our first years of marriage were full of love but also full of many trials. I would go to church occasionally when I was home with Leslie, but I wasn't truly following Christ. During this time, I also was not actively seeking a relationship with Jesus. I was more concerned with my goals and did not trust that God might have a better plan for me. A few years into our marriage, I was sent to Afghanistan. Halfway through my tour, I lost six soldiers from my unit in a suicide bombing. Three days after I returned home from deployment, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was angry and in shock. I didn't understand God's plan to let me survive a year of combat only to come home with cancer. We moved to Washington shortly after his recovery. Grant was frequently away, months at a time, for training. I felt like our marriage still hadn't recovered from his last deployment, and these separations made it difficult to reconnect with one another. 
I knew that our marriage was weakening, but I didn't know how to fix it. I decided to end my contract and leave the service, hoping it was the solution. Leslie and I started attending Lake City at the worst time in our lives. But after each Sunday service, I was filled with renewed hope and faith in God's plan for us. One Wednesday night, we sat at home and debated about joining the small group. Leslie asked me to choose, so I picked re-engage since it was the largest insert in the bulletin. You'd think that after I prayed to God for help with our marriage, that I would jump at the opportunity to be involved in a small group dedicated to strengthening marriages. But I begged Grant to pick any group other than re-engage. Still stubborn and prideful, I could not admit to others that we didn't have the perfect marriage and needed God's help. We didn't fully understand it at the time. But for us to reconnect in our marriage, we both needed to seek a stronger relationship with Jesus. Becoming a part of the community at Lake City made me realize that we are not alone in our brokenness and how God is greater than any of our problems. Worshiping the Lord and developing a personal relationship with Jesus taught us to rejoice and have happiness even in our times of struggle. Super job sharing your story, Grant and Leslie. Thank you so much. Amen. By the way, that is just one example of many couples who are being transformed through our Reengage ministry. Reengage happens every Thursday night right here in this room at 6:30. I encourage you to check it out and experience that for yourself. Especially if you don't have a small group, consider that your small group for the next 16 weeks. That would be super. All right, here's essential number two for leaving a legacy. Blank was a person who was used by God. Used by God. Is God doing anything in your life worth talking about these days? You know, Abraham had a son, Isaac, who had a son, Jacob, who also was named Israel, who became the father of the Hebrews, the Israelites. God had plans for Abraham to make him a father of faith who would impact the entire world. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and Jesus, of course, started the church. So that was all from Abraham. We're part of that today. Abraham was the father of faith. God said, Abraham, I know the stuff that you're doing in the world, but come with me. I've got something far bigger and better for you. Through your descendants, the entire world is going to be blessed. Come on. Come with me. Friend, how is God using your life today? See, when you die and look back at your time here on earth, will you be able to say, God used me by or in whatever it is? Don't let it be an accident. You need to be very, very intentional about this. Intentionally seek out the gifts and the abilities that God has given you and use them for him. You might ask the question, what, what type of people do I want to help and, and how can I help them? You might ask the question, you know, what, what is my passion? What do I really want to accomplish in life? What, what, what do I think God wants to do through my life? Sometimes people say, I have a hard time figuring out what my passion is. A way to get at that is to say, well, well what type of people am I drawn to to help? 
Maybe it's children or maybe it's youth or maybe it's orphans or maybe it's homeless or whatever it is. What, what type of people do you send, your, does your heart respond to and want to help? And then what can you do for them? How can God use you? See, I believe that God wants to use every single one of his children to impact other people for him. Every one of us. Jesus once told a story which illustrates the tragedy of missing out on this. The tragedy of wasted opportunities. We call it the parable of the ten minas. And in that parable, Jesus tells about a master who, who's going off on a journey. And, of course, that master represents Jesus himself. And he tells about ten servants that the master gives each one of them a mina, a large sum of money as a stewardship. He says, do business with this until I come back. Do business with this until I come back. And when the master returns, he holds them accountable. He asks them, what did you do with the, the mina that I gave you? And to those who, who invested it well, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a very little thing. You shall have authority over ten cities. Talking about their eternal reward. And so the question is, are you and I faithfully serving Christ today? Are we doing business until the master returns? How is God using your life and my life today? In 1 Chronicles, we have this list of David's mighty men. Men of faith who helped David become the king of Israel. And they're, they're all listed out with their feats and their accomplishments. And as I think about that, my prayer is that God would keep raising up men and women of faith today here at Lake City who would help Lake City fulfill all the dreams and the plans God has for us. How is God using your life today? Then essential number three, and this is a powerful one. Remember, this is what you want people to say about you someday. Blank was a person who was favored by God. Favored by God. In other words, God smiled upon your life. Is, friend, is God smiling upon your life, my friend? Is he answering your prayers? Is he bearing fruit through you? Because that's something that we should all desire and that we should all be seeking after. I think that's something God wants us to strive for as a church as well. Listen, listen, God has brought us together as a church in this place at this time. And we're asking God, God, would you pour out your favor upon us and your blessing upon us? And God is opening up amazing doors for us. And we want to walk through them by faith. We don't want to ignore them. We want to be faithful stewards of the opportunities and the doors that God has given us. He's touching many, many military people's lives through Lake City right now, reaching our youth and our children in this community. He's touching many couples through re-engaged marriage ministry. He's making a difference through 40 days of life and on and on and on, like the, uh, like the 29 students in our middle school and high school ministry. God is doing some great things. And we want to tackle, we want to take on all that God is putting before us. We don't want to miss out on any opportunity that, he, that he's, any open door that he's opening to us. All that he has planned, we want to embrace it in faith. Step out in faith and say, yes, God, if that's an open door that you're giving to us, we're in. 
How is God using you and how is he favoring and blessing us as a church? And then number four, one final essential to leaving a lasting legacy. Blank was a person who was faithful to God, faithful to God. Abraham was faithful to God as shown by his obedience. He obeyed God's call. He moved his entire household to Canaan, even though he didn't know much about that place. Hebrews 11.10 says that Abraham obeyed God because he was looking to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In other words, Abraham wasn't living for this life here on earth. He left a, a great life behind in Ur. He was living for a heavenly home, for a heavenly reward. His mindset had been transformed into an eternal one by God. And that's what God wants for us as well. Later on, when God told him to offer his son Isaac on the altar, again, Abraham obeyed. He responded in faith because he knew that God could even raise Isaac up from the dead. He was his son of promise. Abraham was faithful to God because he believed God and because he was living with that eternal mindset. As Christians, we will all stand before Christ one day. We will give an account of what we have done with our talents and our resources and our time and all that he's entrusted to us here. The Bible calls this the judgment seat of Christ, which is not to be confused with the great white throne judgment, where the unsaved are judged by God. The judgment seat of Christ is a place where believers receive rewards from Christ. See, when we die and go to heaven, we're going to be there because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that alone. But each of us are going to stand before him and the fire of God's judgment is going to go through our lives and it's going to determine what we did with him and what had lasting fruit and benefit. And if we wasted our lives, if we wasted our time, if we wasted our resources here, we're still saved because of what Christ did for us. But we will have nothing to show for our lives, the Bible says. It's our responsibility to fully utilize all of our lives to please him by faithfully using what he's entrusted to us now. You know, the hardest area for most of us is our money and our possessions. Here's what Jesus said about this in, in Luke 16. This is the New Living Translation. Jesus said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with, the greater, with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? An eternal mindset, faithfully using the resources God entrusts to us, even in the little things. I was reminded just last week of how God has used Lake City Church over the years. Your faithfulness and the faithfulness of those who have gone before us have, have resulted in great things in the world. Last weekend, we prayed for a couple named Russ and Linda Herzman. And Russ serves as the uh, Chief Operations Officer of Wycliffe Bible Translators USA. He's part of the executive leadership team, who, and they oversee thousands of Wycliffe employees and staff who support Bible translation all over the world. But Russ was a teenager who grew up 
in a non-Christian home right here in the Lake City neighborhood. And in 1969, Russ began dating one of the high school girls here at Lake City. She invited him to youth group. Russ developed a desire to, to know Christ in the youth group here at Lake City. She led him to faith in Christ, and as Russ puts it, like a good missionary, she dropped me and went on to other mission fields. <laughs> but some men here at Lake City noticed Russ and took him under their wing and discipled him in his faith, and Russ developed a love for missions and went off to Bible College, Multnomah Bible College. That's where he met Linda. After graduation, they came back here in this room, were commissioned to missionary service with Wycliffe. That was 40 years ago. They served in Africa for more than two decades, and for the last 17 years, Russ has been on the executive leadership team of Wycliffe. And that's a testimony not only of the Herzman's faithfulness, but of the faithfulness of you all to support them and to pray for them, to disciple Russ in the first place. How great is that? I'm going to say thank you to all of you who have done those kinds of things over the years, who have supported our missionaries for decades and decades. Thank you for the ways that you have supported Lake City. You've been used by God to spread the gospel all throughout the world. Now, I want to conclude today by asking you a couple of pointed questions. We've already asked them, but think about them with me again. What will be your legacy? Will it be a lasting one? What will people say at your memorial service? And even more important, will you hear the Savior say on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I so hope so. Let's talk about some application steps, all right? Some next steps. And the first one is this. I will pray for the Transform Initiative. I will faithfully pray about what our church is going through right now, okay? I'll pray for the, the uh, success in the bidding process with the subcontractors. I'll pray for the permitting process. I get those emails or I'll use that handout to pray. I'll pray faithfully. I'll pray for God's provision for this whole transition that we're going through as a church and for, for lives to be transformed through this. And then I want to encourage you to pray for your part in the Transform initiative, including pray about how to fill out that commitment card, okay? And then be sure to bring that back next week. We'll have more here if you forget it. Don't worry about that. Or if you're not going to be here next week, please mail that in sometime this week. Pray faithfully for the Transform initiative, please. Next step number two is this. I will be intentional about leaving a legacy that lasts. Someday you and I will die and we'll stand before Christ. And the decisions that you and I make today decide what our legacy will be. Will we invest our time and our treasure and our talents today to make an eternal difference for people? We need to be intentional. Next step three is I will just fill in that blank. Whatever God's Spirit has been saying to your heart this morning, just jot it down as a reminder. Uh, share it with someone close to you. Let them pray for you or encourage you as well. And by the way, one of the very best responses to what you've heard today might be to trust Jesus as your Savior. So maybe you're here today and you've never taken that initial step of faith in Christ. If that's you, 
Today would be a great day to trust Christ, to receive his forgiveness, and know your destiny is heaven. And I'll give you a chance to do that as we close in prayer. Bow with me, please. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power to transform our lives and for all that you have done in our lives. And Father, I offer this invitation prayer to any today that want to receive Jesus by faith today. Friend, if that's you, just silently pray in your heart of hearts something like this. Father, I, I need your forgiveness. I admit that I've sinned against you, and I can't earn your forgiveness. So today I receive it by faith. Today, by faith, I put my trust in Jesus, his death and resurrection for my forgiveness. I invite him into my life to take over and be in charge. Thank you, Lord, for transforming us individually one at a time by the renewing of our minds through the power of your holy word. And God, we pray that you would help us to live lives that honor you. Help us to live with eternity in view, to leave legacies that last. God, we entrust this transform initiative to you. We pray for your provision. We pray for your leading and your guidance. God, we thank you for the open doors that you've given to us and the, the growth we've experienced that even makes this necessary. God, we ask that you would provide. And we ask, God, that you would help us to be faithful stewards of the opportunities that you have given to us. We don't want to miss out on one opportunity, one person that you're sending our way. So, God, please help us, we pray. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. amen. Thank you so much.